As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Pandemic Edition, and the Pandemic Edition appears to grind on like a song with a really cool middle part that you really liked at one point. And as you get older, you don't listen to the song as much, and then you throw it on one day with, for some friends. And you're looking at them in anticipation, and the middle part just keeps going, going, and you realize this, this middle part is very indulgent, and it's not as good as you remember it, and you start to get real worried, and you get a little embarrassed, and then you start talking, and that's kind of where the song sort of dies for you a little bit, until you listen to it again later, and you're like, no, those guys were wrong. <laughs> well, I, f- I always find like the, the songs, the albums that I don't like at first are usually the ones that grow on me and have much more staying power, where it's like a quick quick hit you know something that like gets me going right away and you you over listen to it usually uh, i dump it pretty quick i think that's fair because you can extrapolate this to a lot of stuff but i think maybe things that are more easily accessible and this isn't a one for one but the easier it is maybe to uh, attach to the maybe the less profound or the less kind of interesting it is it's got some surface talents that kind of hook you and there are a few that are just like fantastic through and through that do everything well. But maybe some of the stuff that you like at first, you kind of go, oh, you know, it was the harder stuff, the stuff that I didn't quite get or I didn't like at first that you kind of go back to and you go, oh, I get it. I, I get why this is better. <laughs> it's, maybe it's the hipster syndrome in a sense. But... It'd be. You can attach into some board games too. Like cool. you think about what Therefore... we got started with. Yeah, true. Carcassonne, still a good game. <laughs> You're being generous. I still love it, but uh, there's they're doing a uh, I don't know if it's a 20th anniversary of uh, Carcassonne or 25th anniversary edition of it. That's got some. Uh, I I don't think it's 3D tiles or anything, but I think they've kind of gone through and up the contrast and up the detail and the kind of special parts of it. Uh, and of course, metal, metal case. Well, that'd be kind of cool to be honest, but. Uh, and there's the at the top of the board game geek hotness, I believe, is Catan 3D, which is probably taking all those 3D printed mods that people were. Probably, I bet they, I bet Mayfair looked at that and said, "Look at all these people buying these oh, wow, 3D yeah. printed mods and saying, oh, okay, let's expensive. do it.'" Oh, of course, but you know, Catan still has people that are diehard advocates, absolute diehards. I can't believe it's Cosmos. It's Cosmos. Well, the 3D one is at least. Oh, interesting. I had no idea because I always thought it was, unless uh, Mayfair sold it, but I thought Mayfair was owned by Asmodee. Like all these partnerships, yeah. I can uh, never, can't really figure out. So I guess that's your, um, the, I don't want to say Kickstarter breakdown, but the hotness breakdown that I'm sure people will be seeing copies of Catan 3D. And it, you know what? It's good for retailers to have a nice, expensive, shiny thing to sell to people because Catan 3D will appeal to people who, it's going to appeal to people who already own the game and want like the super edition and also to people who are getting into the hobby and they want the super edition and maybe they play with their friends or they saw it and they've got disposable income and now they've been conditioned to think that board games should be like I, I can't I'm, in my mind I'm going to say it's like a hundred hundred dollar game minimum so who knows look at that uh, the original 95 Catan says publisher Cosmos plus 45 more yeah interesting <laughs> It's been around. 999 Games put it out. Huh? Interesting. You know, they'll save a little Catan. Capcom's on there. Euro Games. Capcom? Uh, Capcom. Like, like C-A-P- the, the C-O-M? Weird. <laughs> fighter video game. Mayfair is there. Uh, and then a bunch of tiny ones that I've never heard of. Well, while we're on the subject, uh, and uh, I guess I might as well do the spiel before we get into it. Android's Dungeon is a show about games, movies, music, books, comic books, whatever happened to us before we sat down at the mic to record an episode. Um, so let's. Th- th- there's a bit of news related to one of our favorite games of all time, 
And that is that is Eastern Empires has been announced, which is a shocker. Absolutely. Sh- I couldn't believe they did it. I didn't know it was going to happen. No clue. Well, with some very hard work from yours truly <laughs> remotely <laughs> helping them ma- uh, play test it. Yeah, it's Joel was a remote play tester of the uh, two player version of Eastern Empires and also two to four four, uh, and was also tasked with proofreading the rule book by the Freaky Deaky Dutch. (laughs) He went through with a fine tooth comb and discovered no errors. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't even run them back. (laughs) There was no need. It felt irrelevant. A waste of uh, bandwidth to even accomplish it. You got the flow. The unique thing is uh, twofold and I guess it's mostly one, and that is uh, 999 has finally uh, embraced the Kickstarter crowdfunding concept. And yeah. they're going to kickstart Eastern Empires as opposed to Western Empires and Megasiv, which Megasiv was out before I think crowdfunding was huge. But Eastern Empires will appear on Kickstarter, I think. Did it say September? Was I crazy? September. Yeah, so it's a ways away, which is kind of interesting to announce something this far away. Unless they're yeah. really going to start their... Build up that hype. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they announced it on their fan page, so I guess they're kind of... Hoping that they'll start spreading the word, maybe. Yeah. Well, is this going to be a day one back for you, Joel? It's, 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 it's BS, because uh, there's no nudes on the cover. Yeah. So they, they, they went away from the bare-breasted uh, Mediterranean... <laughs> Ladies. Apparently, in the Eastern Empires, they're a little more conservative. <laughs> it's the well, the they East did put some mountains. Words. They put some mountains in the background, so maybe it's like a little colder. So well, she put you a shirt say, on. Thought you're gonna say it's like a Freudian thing to put some uh, frosty-tipped mountains, <laughs> some, some icy peaks. Oh, those are the t- <laughs> those are the people. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's really pushing it with regard to uh, the, you know, it's letting all the people with the uh, filthy minds do their do the imagination, but frosted tips, frosted tips. So, Joel, what do you think? Do you because as far as I can tell, there's going to be nothing. What do you mean? Well, the thing is, is like the game is optimi- optimally played at six. I think I've kind of settled on that. Western Empires goes six to eight. The only reason that I can think of for buying Eastern Empires is to play an 18-player game, mm-hmm. which might happen once, maybe twice, or maybe even to have a little bit of variety. But like, well, it's, yeah, it's a different map. Yeah, basically, it's like $130 for a different map, which I have, by the way, because I play tested <laughs> it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's not nice. It's pr- it's printed out onto a, a Risk Legacy <laughs> board. <laughs> it worked. Um. But uh, no, it's tough. I I want the whole collection. Obviously, I really want it. And honestly, like the money, I'm not really gonna think about after I do it. So I'll I'll probably do it. What about you? I mean, you've got the whole kit. I don't see any reason for you to pick. No, this up. and that's why I was gonna mention is that so I'm in a unique position and and fortunate that it, to me it means nothing insofar as that I'd like to see them succeeding, and I want more people to play the game. Um, I it's just interesting because I'd be I'd love to see the stats on like who is there going to be anyone that buys Eastern Empires without having Western Empires, uh, or is this just kind of relying on the Western Empires crew that your your target audience is going to be people who only have the Western ones and you hope that you grab let's say like half of those yeah, guys like too. you can't imagine <sighs> I can't imagine anyone buying Eastern Empires that doesn't already have Western Empires although. There are already people commenting saying, "Hey, are you gonna put both of them in the Kickstarter?" So, oh, maybe, maybe some people that know people that have Western are trying to get in on it and then trying to get both. So I don't know. Obviously, there are some. There is some interest still in Western Empires. It's not like nobody's buying it. So I could see people maybe asking for a discount for the full kit. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, you know, I'll I forgot what they I... offer. Well, I didn't even consider that. It would be interesting. Um, I'd be astounded if they gave you a discount because you own the previous one. It'd be very generous, and I think... But honestly, in all my years of kickstarting, it's been very, very rare uh, to yeah. see 
previous Kickstarter backers get like, some sort like of buy both at the same time. Well, that you'd have to be crazy not to do a bundle. That's like that's that's free real estate right there to just give the yeah. option to double down. So I, yeah, it, it'd be more shocking if they didn't go that route. But um, I'm curious to see if they add anything to it beyond like putting in those little miniature buildings for the same sort of gameplay that they've added to Western Empires. But I really, I really wonder what the situation is for printing. Like, uh, are things as backed up as they were two years ago? You know, it's like, how hard is it going to be for them to print out additional copies of Western Empires to go along with the Eastern Empires? I mean, obviously, the Kickstarter could take a year if they wanted to. Well, you know what? I just got an update from... So I backed something a little while ago, um, fairly recently, actually. And maybe it's because it's a lot of, uh, like, card components, so it's not as big a deal, but... Uh, stuff is moving, and they just get an update saying it'd be slightly delayed because I guess they Shenzhen is where they print most of this stuff, and uh, I guess oh, apparently there's. Um, oh, I'm gonna sneeze in one sec. Nope, lost it. It might come back later. Um, <laughs> but I guess they they've had some more outbreaks there, and that's like that's saying something if <laughs> the Chinese are admitting to it. So the I guess things are moving again. Uh, but I, I it's a good question because I'm still. As far as I know, none of these Kickstarters have been delayed that I'm aware of uh, beyond like the initial sort of like <laughs> like when things happened last year. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the nice thing about Kickstarter is you, you get everybody's money and you have no obligation to print anything uh, nope. ever, really. Nope. You, could just, you could just sit on the money and be like, sorry, guys, I've decided to keep this. You could easily uh, take the money and run. Although I find with board games, at least the stuff that we are interested yeah. in, Joel, it, it's very rare to see. It's when you get into the more questionable stuff, like these movie tie-in games. and uh, 999 from... Games is a bit more reputable. Yeah, although they, this is their first Kickstarter. So it, but they've, they've made games they've before. So it's not Catan, like... So... Yeah. yeah, they printed Catan at one point. Basically so. gods. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? I played a game that might surprise you. It's a bit of a throwback. It's a really simple game. And honestly, like I've known this game existed for I want to say 10 years. I've never played it. Never even thought about playing it. Um and it's a completely different game than what I pictured in my head. It is Santorini. Oh, you yeah, okay. And I always assumed that Santorini was a middleweight Euro game involving trying to cap <laughs> off buildings to score points. Uh-huh. Well, you're not totally and wrong. The object of the game. <laughs> and apparently capping off buildings is just being defensive and that has nothing to do with winning the game. And it's just a zero-sum abstract strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And not Euro in the slightest. Um, I learned it, I played it, I didn't really like it, I didn't like, uh, how small the map was, mm. how any, like, defensively it seemed a little too easy, like, any time where somebody would have sitch, built up a situation where they were one away from, you know, like, jumping up onto the top tower, which I'll, I'll explain in a second, the opponent just had to be anywhere within half of the map because the you can move diagonally which allows you to just be like just about everywhere like if you if you put your tokens in the middle two spots in the map you can reach every square in the map do you know what i mean yeah there's some spots where you can really get to but as as that's like the initial part of the game because as stuff gets built you start to get clogged down a bit yeah, up. you can't you can like try to create walls and things like that, but honestly, like the first game. So I'll explain what how the game to our listeners. Yeah. Um, the game is basically um, you have little builders. You each have a pair of builders uh, on a grid, and the grid is I think twelve by or six by six. Maybe I can't five recall by five, but it's it's actually quite small. Which was, I think, my main criticism of it. So you move any direction, diagonally or orthogonally, it doesn't matter. 
um, and then you can build adjacent to you in any direction. Um, and when you build, you build up, you drop down whatever building is next. So if you if you're next to a an empty space with ground, you build a base. And then from there, there's a middle thing and then a top thing. It's just like a snowman. One, two, three. And once the top thing exists, that's a tower. If you move one of your characters onto the top of that tower, you win the game. Hmm. That simple. Except in order to get up there, you have to build yourself kind of like a little ladder up. You know, you have to build, you have to step onto a base of a thing and then a second floor and then a third floor. If you're able to achieve that, congratulations, you win the game. But your opponent can continue the building. Uh, and if it's ever a third floor and he walks over diagonally and is diagonal to it, uh, he can build a little blue dome. And once the little blue dome on it is on there, forget about it. That building is closed off. Can't build it, can't move on it. So you end up walking around this grid and you're kind of like trying to build things for yourself and trying to block off your opponent or defend against your opponent. Uh, you have the two workers. You can kind of leave one to defend, one to build, or whatever you want to do. The rules are pretty simple. You have to move, and then you build. Move, build, move, build. So it makes it a little more challenging to get up onto that third thing, because you can't just like build it and then go onto it. Um, and so first game we played, like basic game, those are all the rules. We didn't play with any god cards. Uh, and what ended up happening was I think one of us just got stuck and then we said, oh, well, I can't move. Game over, right? In the second game, we introduced the god cards and we found that the god cards are a little bit... And I don't know, remember your experience with Santorini. I think you talked about it maybe five, six years ago. But the god, gods, god cards are insanely strong. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I got one where... If you have a character on ground, you can build three after you build. So you move, you build, your other character builds three. You move, you build, your other character builds three. And you get like, you're able to build like massive fortresses around yourself instantly. And I won in like, I don't know, like four turns. Mm. And then. In the in the game after that, <laughs> her power is my friend Cat. Uh, her power was, um, if she's ever above me and adjacent, she kills my character. <laughs> you only have two builders. But it actually so kills 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 my character. Gone yeah. and replaces it with a building. Okay. <laughs> it, it, so what you've just highlighted that right there is kind of the so Santorini is based on this this game. Um, I think we've talked about this in the past. It's uh, I think it's called TAC T A K, and TAC is just the, ba imagine base Santorini. There's no powers, nothing. It's just first person to get their unit to the top wins. Exact same. In comes Santorini with its Greek gods theme. And you can play it exact same if you want to, as like tack, or you can introduce the god cards. And there's two sets of cards. There's the basic ones, which add some minor kind of change to the game, and then there's the advanced cards, which add the crazy powers, like Joel's describing right now. The I don't recall either of the ones you've described, and I've played the game a bunch of times, but we always randomize the cards, so it's just possible we've never just they've never came up, and we we haven't played enough of it to even say. But uh, um. I've I've always enjoyed all my games of Santorini. It it's plays so quickly. It's so cute. The pieces are very, very uh, tactile, and it's extremely tangible, and it's it's very pretty to look at. Um, and it's rare for me. There are definitely, and that is one of the main criticisms of the game is the fact that the god cards can be so disparate in their suitability. So you can have one that just completely nullifies somebody else, or just is so good that. You know, somebody can be doing their best and it would take some sort of god-tier play to counteract them with their powers. But uh, yeah. honestly, in in all the games I've played, I've never felt like, oh, you only won because your god was way better than mine. It, I can always point to sort of like playing something stupidly or not playing properly. And it is ostensibly a two-player game, like Joel mentioned, in which you're controlling two pawns each. 
but you can play it four players if you felt like it. But that to me, that'd be madness. It would just be pure right, insanity if you could somehow like <laughs> successfully play a four-player game of Santorini. Yeah, I can just imagine being an individual in that situation, trying to get on the top of the thing. But maybe like because we never really got to like a late game situation. Maybe there's eventually like a scenario where people start getting knocked off because they don't have anywhere to go. And maybe you get into a situation where you can paint yourself into a, a corner and build yourself up. It just seemed that, like in the in the games that we were playing, there was always like an enemy was always within reach. And thinking about it, though, I was thinking about like, okay, so while we were playing this game, I was saying like, well, look, this just doesn't make any sense. Like, it's so simple for the defender to just get here because the map is so small. Like, there's no way to get away from them. And then I was thinking about it, and maybe, you know, I was like this grumpy old um, guy trying to trying to think of the game was like trying to be the next chess. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't think about the pretty, you know, like, Greek buildings and the paradise and the, the people just trying to have fun. And and the game is mostly like you know like here's here's like like you said it's a cute theme you get like nice tactile experience of putting building on top of building and they fit into each other and I'm just like sitting there like where's the strategy why, it's, it's why is this you, more tactical I'm surprised you bounced off it so much because I found it to be plenty strategic in the in that you there's this push and pull where you can try to be super aggressive and you can have your opponent just like stymieing you at every turn. But if you know they're going to try to stymie you at every time, you can almost have them build stuff for you and put them in a position where it, it's kind of the classic tic-tac-toe thing where you've set it up where they can stop you here, but it doesn't matter. You, like, congratulations, you played yourself because I'm just going to hop up on this other tower there. So I, I'm not sure if you're being fair to the game, Joel, with the the level of sort of tactics that can be employed, but... I, I totally agree with your assessment of the gods, and if you're kind of jumping into it with, like, from the get-go with these these gods that can feel just, like, wacky and random and borderline busted, because, let's be real, some of them are, uh, it's, they wanted their nice pantheon, and it was kind of like somebody yeah, sitting there going, what if I had a god that did this? 20 different gods, and they had yeah. to come up with all of them. There's no way they're all balanced, and I'm sure, like, who knows, maybe there's Santorini tournaments where people, like, certain gods are just banned completely because of, yeah. like... Santorini tournaments. I could honestly, Joel, I, I would not be shocked if there was. And I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see high-level Santorini. I'm not uh, not going to lie here. Something but. about these mid-tier, like, uh, abstract strategy games that, I don't know, turn me off. Like like something like Tack or that other one with the wood blocks. Something about wood it is blocks. just like... And there's the other one with the... There's like a kind of a samurai situation where you have an elder and three other characters and you're trying to reach the samurai, or mm. the samurai has to try to reach the other side. Well, and there's cards. There's cards that dictate how you move, but when you use the card to move, you have to pass it to your opponent, and he'll oh. get it the turn after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you played this one? No, but uh, I, I, it's funny, because I'll get to it in a second. I have not played it, though. But anyway, um. Um, all, all I was trying to say was that game, you know, it's reasonably okay, but, like, at the same time, when I'm playing it, I'm, like, you know, like, I guess I'm I'm just comparing everything to chess or checkers. <laughs> or, like, Go. <laughs> I know much about Go. Yeah. Well, I've heard, I, I know a bunch of people that swear by Go and Shogi as being their, like, ultimate games, but it strikes me as sort of hipster contrarianism when it comes to games and stuff, where it's, like, no, who do you know that has a copy of Go? Like it's just something where it's like <laughs> I played it once. I think it's fantastic. I'm gonna go at this, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's a fantastic game, and there apparently it's it's one of the few games that like high level play, like a computer can't even beat a person because the the decision tree just explodes after a certain point. So it's just pure strategy that uh, computers aren't there yet. Yeah, and. Like, I just don't know if these other games, like, hold up, you know, like, if they would fall apart. Like, if you were to teach a bot, like, would it be a good experience or would the bot just, like, solve it all right away? Like, how much depth is there? Good question. No yeah. idea. No idea. Anyway, it's cute. 
interesting game. Well, here's uh, the, the ultimate Honestly, question. like, oh, yeah, go on. Well, would you recommend it? Yeah, I would recommend it. Like, honestly, it's 15 minutes, so if you're not having fun, just <laughs> wait a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it is cute, and it, it's got nice components. For some reason, like, they, they invested a lot in this massive, beautiful island base. Yeah. Which isn't actually part of the game at all. It just kind of makes it look cool. But yeah. I like it. Well, it's. I think I picked mine up at. Um, I think I got it at four hundred one games in person. We were just walking by, and I think. Uh, I think they had a sale on it around Christmas time or something. So I think I got it for like thirty bucks. And even retail at Board Game Bliss right now, it's thirty eight dollars before tax. And I think that that's nothing as far as board games go. Considering the components in it, it's like full three D stuff. It's got tons of replayability that I could. If especially if, like because I love two player games and if you think that you would be playing this a lot with somebody and you guys could get very good at it, like knock yourself out. I I, I fully endorse it. So especially if you can get it on sale. I, I to me it's not even a question. Why not? Why not? Well go on. No, no, I was just gonna say well Catan's sixty bucks, so <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But again, Catan fits more than well. I guess technically Santorini goes up to four players. I was so gonna I, say that Santorina, like the models look nice, but they also look like they kind of should be painted. And then I just looking at the somebody painted them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have painted them, and they look great. I'm always so, impressed with the people who like, paint these models. Like the, I look at my copy of like Cyclades and Comet, and with the bland unpainted minis, and then oh yeah, some, somebody who's gone through and done this incredible job with them. I think like you bastard, you just gotta <laughs> gotta look great, don't you? Every time I try to paint something, you know, it just kind of like blends. It's a, it's a lot of effort. It is a skill, and I think it's patience. And, uh, and the other part too is having all the paints around too, and that's something like do you really feel like dropping? Uh, I I don't even know what it would cost to have all those different colored paints. It's probably not the worst if you think about it, but. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a bit of a stretch for me at this point. Which is saying something, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, at least the, at least they got a new game. I learned a new game. Yeah. And it was interesting. Was it sorry, this is your copy? No, no, it was uh, my friend Katz. She brought oh, it okay. over. All right, cool. Uh what have I been playing? It's I've had I didn't get to play a single board game in between uh last time we talked and today. Uh, I've done some D and D, and that's it. We were we had plans to play something on Sunday, but it didn't pan out. So, my my game of the week is, uh, and I can't remember if I talked about it before, but I've been playing Hollow Knight lately, and I think actually I did talk about this a little bit while you were when that week you were gone, but I've I've put in more time with it. And uh, have you played this before, Joel? Hollow. Hollow Knight. Oh no! Oh, is this with a K? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. I definitely haven't played it. It's like yeah. the red box. Uh, it's it's a video game. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so I I talked about it last week, so I don't want to go over it too much. But uh, or the other week. Uh, but it is a uh, but it's a game by this independent studio called Team Cherry, and it is a Metroidvania. Uh, a lot of people hate that term. I don't mind it. It it immediately tells people what it is, and like you understand it. Um. It takes place in this world basically filled with bugs in the underground. And mm-hmm. you play the, uh, this little bug knight that's running around through these different areas with your sword. And you're fighting enemies. And when you kill them, they drop little bits of experience points or money that you acquire. And you can go around and buy other stuff with it. And you're trying to acquire new powers that let you get to different places, unlock shortcuts, and basically solve a mystery that is gradually revealed through uh, story bits that are dribbled out to you through item descriptions or running into NPCs, Dark Souls style, that appear uh, throughout your journey. And as you talk to them, you maybe unlock their quest lines a bit more and so on, so on. Um, it, it's, I, I'm not done it. I think I'm about six, seven hours into it at this point. And it, I think it's safe to say that it is probably one of the best... Uh, side-scrolling adventure games you can get on on the, I, I guess it's on everything now i was going to say on the pc but you can probably get it on like the switch and ps4 and the rest of that stuff but as far as those games go it's it's really in a league 
that is up there with like Super Metroid or Castlevania in terms of its oh, gameplay. Oh, I know this game. It's got like pretty art style. It's a very unique art style. It's got a lot of people love the music. Kind of I think it's good, but um, and it's got this. It's just got a, a really solid gameplay loop. Um, it's not. I don't find it especially difficult. It's the hard part about the game is that the world is so sprawling. It's very easy to get lost or kind of feel overwhelmed. And it's one of those games that um, it does something that really kind of upsets me on a fundamental level when I'm playing these games, which is when uh, it, I, it, it, it just absolutely wreaks havoc with my OCD when you're exploring stuff and there are three pathways and you take one and you go down a bit further and then there are another two pathways and you take another one and you keep going. <laughs> And then you just start realizing oh, there's yeah. all these un, all these pathways that you haven't cleared yet. So then you start realizing, oh, should I go back and start clearing those other ones first, or do I keep going? And then you have to like, oh, I'm kind of worried. I want to hit a checkpoint, and I don't want to like start a fight too far because if I die, I have to run back to this point. And it has this Dark Souls style corpse run where if you die, all your your money is left with this ghost that's floating around where you died that you have to kill to get your stuff back. So you don't want to get too far away because let's say it was kind of tricky to get to that point you want to die before that or else you lose everything you have to fight it, a ghost to get your corpse back to yeah get your your life back it's you so if you die uh you come back and it's got this really neat little system where it, you've got your health that uh whenever you get hit you lose one of your uh health i don't know items or bars um but whenever you hit enemies you build up this little orb of energy and you can spend that energy to regain health back so it rewards you for being aggressive and smacking stuff and then jumping away and rebuilding that energy but that energy is also spent on powerful magic attacks too so if you're spamming those attacks you're not going to have anything to heal with if you need that but if you're hitting stuff you're going to get that back so nice little gameplay loop but if you die your little uh, magic pool is uh, cut by a third so all of a sudden your resources are dropped fairly significantly until you manage to run back and beat that little uh, stinky little ghost that's floating around where you died. So, uh, I can't believe you have to kill a guy just to get uh, your stuff back. But I guess it's a pretty it's a pretty easy fight. It tough. just it's not too tough. It's just but it you sucks get if... like are you armed when you come back? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, you're the exact same. It's just your capabilities are nerfed a little bit. It's not a huge deal generally speaking. Um, it only stinks if you died in a kind of a tricky spot with a lot of enemies or platforming and you're trying to deal with this ghost that's trying to attack you simultaneously while you're trying to attack it while you're being attacked by other enemies uh, and you're like just trying to sort it out because you, you don't want to lose all that stuff you've got left so you end up kind of be playing very cautiously or trying to kind of like um, uh, juke some enemies in such a way it's like uh, aggro them then I run back to a safe place where I can safely deal with them. Um, it, it's a great game. It's really really good it's fun, it's snappy, great style, it's inexpensive, it's, it goes on sale all the time, and I think the amount of content in it is through the roof as far as what you're, you're getting. Like, I haven't, let's just put it this way, I'm, like I said, about six or seven hours into it, I haven't beat one of the main bosses yet, and I'm still exploring the map, just, I, there's gotta be tons of content in this game. Have you seen them, you just haven't fought them? Well, yeah. No, I haven't even seen the main bosses yet. I've come across other bosses. I fought them, no problem, but not, not one of the main guys yet. So there's a lot of this game to go through. Wow. Um, tons of content, and the sequel I think is coming out imminently. I don't know if it's this yeah, year. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you gonna play Silk Song? <laughs> I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna do really well unless they manage to just totally screw up. And uh, in May. 2021, Matthew Griffin of Team Cherry's marketing and publishing team announced on Discord that there will be no Silk Song news at E3 2021. Yeah. So, announced it's, 2019, it's... but maybe a long way off. 2019, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, the, the only thing people are waiting on right now is because uh, I think there's, I don't know what it is, like uh, there's some sort of awards show coming on this week, but I think everyone's just waiting for news about Elden Ring, which is the the long-awaited From Software game that uh, that lazy that lazy bastard George R. R. Martin is supposedly working with them to develop stories, but which is like as soon as I hear that guy's name with something, it's like the kiss of death that's going to come out anytime soon. Because I I just have zero faith in the man. <laughs> He's going to die long before those books are written. So enjoy your cruddy HBO series, people. <laughs> All right, let's take a musical break. We'll come back in a second. Stay tuned.
stars look good tonight Thought electric Alice in the pale moonlight Don't the moon look big and bright Thought electric Alice in the pale moonlight
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was two tracks. Uh, first one was uh, Electric Alice from a special session uh, by Grinderman, the defunct side project by Nick Cave Warren Ellis, uh, Jim Scavulos, and uh, Martin Casey, I think. And uh, also because Joel played it the other day and uh, the Red Letter guys did a review of it recently, the main theme to Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula kind of fits in a little bit with what we're probably going to talk about in a second here. Uh, Grinderman, fantastic album. I saw them live and I passed out because I had low blood sugar and I ruined the concert for myself. That was fun. And uh, Dracula theme is just fantastic. That whole movie is a little treat. And when was the last time you saw Have you ever seen the Ford Coppola or the Coppola Dracula? No. I've seen, like, really? I think the last vampire movie I watched was Interview with a Vampire, and that was a long time ago. I, I don't even know. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of that. Um, it's fine. It, yeah, that's what it, it's fine. <laughs> it's Brad Pitt, uh, Tom Cruise, and Curse. Uh, Curse. Uh, uh, what's her name from Spider Man? Uh, whatever. Uh, Spider Man's Mary Jane, Jane, whatever her name is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm more thinking we're in like the uh, Eternal Sunshine. What Eternal Sunshine? Was she in that? Yeah, she's like the girl that comes over and helps. Uh, oh, the uh, while well, the memory the wipe's going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it turns out that she's obsessed with a doctor, but the doctor's been wiping her mind. Anyway, I don't want to spoil too much. <laughs> <laughs> spoil yeah, the movie Eternal from Sunshine. 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Uh, Francis, like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula is a really interesting little movie that uh, like the Red Letter guys say it's a movie for filmmakers and people who love movies because the I didn't realize this but uh, there's only one optical effect in the entire movie the rest of it is all shot using creative in camera tricks that nobody cool. would waste the time and ingenuity doing now and yeah. it's a reason why the movie is held up today for the most part because for maybe no one Maybe Noel, although he loves his optical effects and special effects, so like yeah, but he's all about physical effects, so yeah, you'd hope he might do something anyway. Go we, on, we can we can only hope anyway. Uh, so Joel, let's get into our weekly, it seems, D related conversation. Uh, sure. how has your Tuesday session been going? Cancelled. Oh, people felt sick, Seth felt sick. I think maybe it was the heat, because a couple other people are pretty reliable, but, you know, Seth is just Seth. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. I can always blame him. Uh, Yeah, so we we skipped it. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm honestly, I'm not that bothered when the Tuesday session gets missed, because I'm kind of calling it anyway. (laughs) Oh, no. Are you done? No, no. I'm like, I'm still like, it's still good, and I think everybody's kind of loving it. And actually, the can't remember i don't think i got you caught up last week so i can definitely no, tell we you missed it so we've got some stuff to, i think last time they they fought like every they fought the vampire statue and almost died i think that's as far as we got yeah right yeah so there was a session that i i just didn't have time to tell you about so i can tell you a bit about that if you like okay because uh, there are some <laughs> interesting elements to it um, you remember you ran the rod back to Ozymandias and then he went and did the ceremony and took control of you with uh, Control Undead? Yep, yep. One of the party members, uh, Jocelyn, who's Mac Miller, or Mick Miller, um, uh, decided to keep the rod. Felt the okay. power of the undead underneath the island and just you know was entranced by it and decided to keep it. Uh, so the guy, Aussie man, is like, "Well, we need to destroy the rod. We need to do the ceremony. Well, you can hold it, but will you will you bring it to the thing?" So she brings it to the temple, and then, um, you know, the ceremony begins, and all this crazy storm and everything, and everybody's standing off to the side. But she's up front. She's put the rod down in front of the obelisk, and the ceremony completes, and Buddy Ozymandias goes reaching to snatch it. And I gave them competing initiatives, and she won. Took the rod, gained control of all of the undead under the island, and the elementals. 
You remember the the Earth yeah, Elementals yeah, yeah. that came up? Yeah. So I just I let it happen, you know, exactly. It wasn't going to be a fight at that point, but mm-hmm. you know, Ozymandias and or and the other cultists, you know, they tried to fight back, and she just summoned those elementals up out of the ground and just destroyed the cult. Which I mean, last time I think it was Mark with his lightning bolts and everything basically destroyed them anyway. It was a and hilarious was, like one turn where he just like, <laughs> yeah completely killed a girl yeah. with before she even acted, yeah. uh, and then the other guy would last like maybe two turns. So yeah, she used the elementals and just kind of and then she wanted to release all the undead, let them just be dead, but I wouldn't allow it, you know, because that's not really the way it works. You can control it, but if you stop controlling it, they just become idle. Mm-hmm. But the the other guys got to talking and they were like, well, maybe we could, you know, use these undead. What if we use them to build, you know, you know, we could use them as like a slave army here and, and have them build a big fort for us or something. Or what if we use them? And this is where it got really funny. Yeah. What if we use them to attack Saltmarsh? <laughs> and all of a sudden they became like the true evil party. And they were all talking about how they could go invade Saltmarsh with an army of undead and take hmm. it over for themselves. Hmm. I was like, wow, that didn't take long. Um, but then, uh, you know, the skull talked to whoever and that person went and got the gem and put it in the skull and then the, the undead were put to rest. <laughs> <laughs> Everything kind of worked out in the end. But now, was were you kind of ho- glad that happened or were you a little like, yeah. Well, I was kind of curious, you know, uh, if they would go through with it. Yeah. Just kill everybody in town. It would be an interesting uh, way for the campaign to go, that's for sure. Like would you would you done the rest? Like, or is that just like congratulations, you've destroyed Saltmarsh? Yeah, I guess. I I have no idea where I'd go from there. I was kind of thinking that like maybe the skeletons can be controlled within a radius of the island, but then like you know if they lose control of them halfway to Saltmarsh, some of them are gonna end up there, right? So it's almost like a scatter shot of just like. Pfft firing shotgun styles undead out on towards the mainland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would work out where, you know, I have no idea. Maybe they they would all gather together and defend her or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to figure it out because it, it's definitely a complicated puzzle. To yeah, think. I think it would have really uh, <laughs> made your life <laughs> What would you have done? I, I don't know, Joel, because I think we were talking about this before, because I, I don't know if we talked about this outside of it, but um, I, I think the really easy suggestion is that, like, the power to control those undead is, like, that's a high-level spell. Like, yeah. it takes tons of control, like, that, that you could see, like, an ancient lich doing, not just, like, a level 7 character that's holding some rod, and I think yeah. it could easily have turned into something where it's, like, like ma- f- making them do extraordinarily high skill checks every time to like keep them under your control and oh, uh, yeah. and then like as soon as one fails it's like they they all just like either ex- like explode or they turn on their like they just go crazy and start killing each other and everything around them it's like it, it'd be easy yeah. to railroad it in some way not in like an obvious sense but they become uh, hostile yeah yeah, that works. Yeah, and I was basically saying that like the proximity to the obelisk plus the ceremony was buffing what was it, giving yeah. them that power. Yeah, and that it wasn't going to last. I guess you could probably have it fade after a while. They had to complete the ceremony again. They don't know how or something. Yeah, yeah. No ways to do it. But honestly, it was, a great idea. it was kind of cool that they they like got so into it that they actually decided to do that. It's but you know. There, there's this really cool piece of software out there called, and you should maybe give it a shot sometime, Joel, and see what you think of it. It's called uh, AI Dungeon. Oh, yeah. And uh, it is essentially, and there's like a, um, there, there is a, a paid version that's supposedly even better, but like to hell with that, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> and it's basically, there's an artificial intelligence that's grabbing interactions and attempting to simulate adventures insofar, like you can set the theme, you can set the world, you can tell it to remember certain things, and you can write out full sentences and write out full activities, and it's trying to tell a story, and you can interact with it as you see fit. And the the neat thing about it is that it's up to you whether you want to just roll with the punches 
at the stuff that it's inventing, but it's also it's going to roll with your punches. So let's say like it, it, it artificially generates some encounter like you've described and you decide to raise the dead to attack a town. It's going to throw stuff at you, but as long as you like kind of play with it properly, everything kind of feels fair. Every now and then it'll throw a curveball at you. Where it's just like, but then your your nemesis comes out of nowhere and hits you over the head and you go unconscious like, wow, hold on a second. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not fair. That didn't make any sense. But uh, so what do you know do you what I mean? Use it for? Like, is it an actual game or is it just like a simulator it's, it's, that helps it, you tell stories? It's an experience in the sense like you can call it a game in quotation marks if you want to, but it, it is purely whatever you put in, you're going to get out of it. If you want to turn into a like a, a, a mass killing simulation, like knock yourself up. It'll try to do its best to simulate something that's kind of like what you're doing. If you want to turn into like you being the hero and saving the day, it's going to try to reflect that. If you want to be a total pervert, it'll reflect that too. It's just, it's an artificial intelligence in the most literal sense that is grabbing player input and grabbing stories. I, I don't know if it scums the internet for information too. And like builds like uh, syntax based on that stuff. I don't. I'm not totally clear on how it does what it does, but it's fascinating from a perspective of um, emergent gameplay in, and I think a very in a pure if janky sense. Does that does that uh, called again? AI dungeon. And there's different ways to released in December 2019. It's not a real thing. No, it's been out for a little bit, but you should just give it a shot and then and, and kind of let me know what you think about it. That's then, eh? There's there's different people. There's different types of it too. Like and they, like I said, there's different scenarios. Like you want to be in like feudal Japan. Do you want a zombie apocalypse? Do you want to be in medieval fantasy, like Western? It, it feels borderline Joel, like Westworld a little bit. It's like it just the cool. the that sort of stuff. But it's not. It's far it from be whatever you want us to. Be. It's it's absolutely like that. So. Um, Cool. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting. This. Well, yeah. Let AI me dungeon, guys. Give AI it a try. Dungeon. It's a AI um, Android's dungeon approved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show on a dubious endorsement of this uh, yeah. <laughs> this this game. And then uh, hopefully in a couple weeks we can uh, fill people in on our adventure. Yeah, is, I think I'm having a lot of fun. It's yeah. I think. What do we got? Two weeks? Do you think? Two weeks? Maybe yeah. three? Two or three? Okay. Yeah, we're good. We we are building up to something big here, folks, for the finale of uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh with a healthy dose of Joel's um, tweaking. Yeah. Well, you know, cool. we're we're pretty close to the to the straight up adventure, and uh, I I really uh just one thing I'll say is that I really cringe at like the. The things they throw at you, like these chules, and I was like, you know, I really don't think I should put this many in. You guys are having no problem at all. You know, I have to keep in mind that you guys are level eleven. I keep forgetting that. The issue, but we t- we were out of time, so I don't want to talk about this too much. But the we the the issue is that it's so, the combat is so swingy at these higher levels that mm-hmm. yeah, like everything's one... everything's deadly. <laughs> it's like. Everything's dead. Like you're deadly, they're deadly. It, it, it turns into just like your one failed save from like now you're grappled, now you're poisoned, now you're incapacitated, and ugh, I really don't know what the answer is to this because it's anyway. But at least the stakes are higher, right? So it's not just like you swing, you get a d6 plus four damage. It's like now it's like every roll at least has a little bit of you know tension to it. I agree. I, well, but I don't know, Joel, but I think the early on, all those roles have a ton of attention to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah. All I right. suppose it's the middle that's dull. <laughs> anyway. I guess, yeah. So, yeah. all right. Thank you for listening to Android's Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. Check us out on CFRU.ca, uh, your favorite podcasting websites, and Twitter, AD Radio CFRU. Android uh, Dungeon Radio at gmail.com. I can never remember the CFRU email address. I got to look that up again. And hopefully, we have some, I don't know, things are happening. We're, no longer do I have to look over my shoulder that the police are going to bust open my gate yeah. that I have some, yeah. unapproved <laughs> gathering <people> citizen. <laughs> Unbelievable. Show me your so, license, your vaccine. Oh, license. you got a license for that game there, mate? Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so. Hopefully we'll have some fun interactive stuff from uh, that we can both communicate about beyond the D&D. But uh, until then, yep. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.